Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Malitsky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you, fam. Uh, we're here to create conscious connections, to grow, and to contribute to our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. Absolutely. If you want to find us on the internet, we are at trustthejourney.today. That is our website, our Instagram. Please, if you get value from the show, please like it, give us five stars, share it with your friends, subscribe, all those things. If you really want to dive in more deeply with us, I would say join us in the Trust the Journey family. It is also a way to financially support the show and all of our patrons. We love you and we couldn't do this without you it makes the show possible thank you to everyone who donates um and that gets you into the the family like we said so that's a private facebook group donate on patreon in any amount just go to the website and click on the button for patreon and it'll take you there yeah and we'd also like to send some thanks out to kimberly joy voice our wonderful audio podcast editor she does all our posting and managing takes care of everything for us she's a huge asset on the team so we're incredibly grateful for her that gratitude goes out to everybody who supports the program so thank you to kimberly and thank you to all of our patrons and thank you to all of our listeners if yeah. you want to reach kimberly you get her at kimberly joy voice at gmail oh, KimberlyJoyVoice.com. Yes, yes, yes. Websiting it up. I like it. Mm-hmm. Official. Yeah. yeah, if you want to connect with Jay directly, he's on Instagram at Jason underscore Maledsky. And anything and everything for me can be found at MelanieCurtis.com. The other thing that we want to share is that we are open for sponsorship relationships, for advertising relationships now. We are starting to figure out what those types of partnerships are going to look like. To be clear, anyone we partner with will be someone who has values aligned with our show and our mission here with the show. And uh, we want to make that advertising sponsorship space one that also adds value to the community that we have here. So anybody who thinks they maybe have a, you know, something that's aligned, reach out. But the best way to reach us is probably DMing us on Instagram. So trustthejourney.today on Instagram. And uh, yeah, we can explore that and see where it goes. But today we're diving in and we are talking about basically stories, the quintessential no shit there I was. (laughs) And this is a topic request from... Eli, new dog from our Patreon community from Trust the Journey family. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for the request for the topic. No shit, there I was. Mel. Classic. Yeah. I d- I'm like dying to hear what you would start with. I have like a whole list over here and it literally doesn't even scratch the surface of things that I think all of us could share in this sort of lane. But yeah, I have a lot of different stories. I mean, do you want to start? Do you want me to throw one out there? I I can. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. The fact that I'm still alive right now is just pure luck. I would completely look to the destiny, fate, the higher power, 
the powers that be like why am i still alive otherwise i should be completely just dead a hundred times over for so many different reasons so i had actually been thinking about some of these recently because of my own writings in my book and the topic came up and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally think of a couple that are just especially when I go back into earlier parts of my life when I was younger and I really didn't have the best decision making skills or I was in a really coming from a place of pain or anger and like acting out and doing things that weren't really necessarily good for me or others. So one time. I was in a laundry room hiding in a closet because a certain somebody's partner that I didn't know had a partner had returned to the house and was stomping through the house looking for said person. Oh my I have God. no clue. Okay, I met I met a girl at a strip bar. I went home with her. The next thing I know, she's like, hide, 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 you know, and I'm like, what, you know, and there I am, like, I'm 18. I don't know what's going on. I don't really know this girl. I should never have gone home with her. Totally, totally toxic situation. I'm in the laundry room hiding behind a furnace, like trying not to breathe because there's an irate, angry man like marching around looking to cause violence and harm upon me who had no clue that this was even a thing. Now, I'll be honest, this isn't the only time this has happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> ridiculous so the other time that this happened was it was justified it was due oh I was, gosh I, I did not make good decisions when i was young i had a lot of stuff going on i had an affair lasted about a year mm. with a married woman it oh. went on for about a year yep and mm -hmm. at that time uh you know we both knew what we were doing we were both making informed bad decisions and we'd been having that affair for about a year and what do you know the first time I ever went to her house never been to her house before first time I went to her house husband's on the other side of the country now this is not no I can't speak towards myself being a good person when I speak towards this I have to say I've made some bad decisions yeah and, and haven't we all this these are not things that I would repeat you yeah. Know? So so the no shit there I was comes a lot along with a hey, there's a lesson to be learned here. Yeah, you for know? sure. Um, even though it's worth a laugh and a smile. So her husband's on the other side of the continent on a work trip. And so maybe it's safe to come over and mm -hmm. have a visit, a conjugal visit. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> The typical pattern was for things to get pretty heated pretty quickly. And so, you know, there's boots. I had driven my motorcycle. My cowboy boots are at the front door. My motorcycle's parked in the driveway across the street. I've left my leather jacket laying on somewhere down then by near the front door. Then shirts and clothes have come off and the couch. <laughs> and then it's like the there, movies. 
Totally. Exactly like the movie's pants are on the stairway on the way up the (laughs) stairs to the bedroom. Right. Pants, underwear. The next thing you know, the clothes are strewn through the entire house. And (laughs) I remember laying in bed in in the aftermath of the set experience and all of a sudden hearing this sound and it was just like and I'm like that's a weird sound oh I'm my gosh like, I'm laying there next to her and I'm like that sounds like a garage door opener <laughs> and she <laughs> perked to attention <laughs> and leapt out of the bed like like just poof, out of the bed across oh the room God. and like grabbing things along the way. And I'm like, just, just that, like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh shit. You know, like tumbling down the stairs out of the bedroom, down oh. the stairs, down the hall, picking up things along the way. And I look and I'm like, my stuff is everywhere. I snatch a, ja- a jacket. I got one boot. I thought I got my shirt. I'm heading out the back door, totally the back door, man. I'm naked. I haven't got any clothes on. Like, so I'm totally naked. I'm heading out the back door. And I have, I tumble and there's a blinds and I hit the blinds and now the blinds are like, and it's a sliding glass door. It's, these are townhouses. So it's a row of townhouses. They're all connected. So the yards are all interconnected. You only have like a six foot fence dividing up the space between each place. So I'm out the back door, my jacket, my boots, no, one boot. A leather jacket, my wallet explodes all over the ground. I have a blouse, her blouse, not mine, one sock. So here I am. It's Canada. It's not summertime. It's like spring or fall, shoulder season. <laughs> I've got a boot, pair of jeans, a white blouse, my leather jacket, one sock. Oh my and God. No, I don't have my shirt. I don't have my other sock. <laughs> I'm like collecting all my wallet. I'm totally naked out in the yard. And she's already like dove for the couch to like pretend he's like there's nothing going on. Oh, and my gosh. I mean, just the worst of it. Like I'm in the yard. Now I'm just in the yard with like an armful of stuff and I'm butt naked out there just going, oh, shit. There I was. I'm not proud. Oh my God, that is hysterical. And yes, the lesson, of course. Of course, of course. I mean, did you get caught? No. Okay. So, believe it or not, no. Wow. But the relationship, that was was it. Like, that was the end. Yeah, that that was was the the end of it. End point of this, like, this is this is wrong. You know, it was a we all have experiences uh, where we definitely would have chosen differently when in our current state of consciousness and our current state of understanding what is kind and in integrity and all those things. So I think hearing that story, we can put that compassionate lens on it for you, knowing that you are not the same person as you were then. Just to, you to be gentle with you. Well, thanks, but you don't have to. I, I, I you know, I, I got away pretty easy, you know, and if I really assess the situation, I didn't really like pay my dues for making bad decisions in that relationship. It wasn't a kind thing to do. Yeah. It's a pretty funny story. Yeah. It's about it, you know, and I'm just uh, lucky. Like I said, I'm lucky. I'm rather than that guy didn't kill, catch me or kill me in either one of those scenarios. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so. Oh my God. Well, what's, yeah. this is so funny is of course, in prepping for this episode, I'm like just starting to jot down some stuff. I'm like, of course there's the, you know, various physical skydiving stories and this and that. And then there's some other sort of emotional stories where I'm like, oh, okay, okay, cool. There's like the other stuff. And I, I literally, same thing. I wrote down a sex story where I was like, because <laughs> I, I mean, there's some, there's some comedy in, in that. And so for me, it was not the same thing. It's definitely a more positively slanted story. I have no shame whatsoever about this story in any way. Um, in fact, I love it because it was totally fun, full of aliveness. It was super hot. And it was like, basically, long story short, <laughs> I'm not going to say any names or anything, but um, I reconnected with this this person in my life and uh, we were getting to know each other again. But there was this electricity when we first met back like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that, where this is like totable, totally notable sexual energy. And I just was very attracted to this person and and vice versa. It was like this cool thing, but it, we never, ever connected on that level. We just never, ever went there. And so anyway, years later, we connect uh, apart sort of over over the internet online and just are starting to talk and getting to know each other in a way that we didn't in a long, you know, over the early years, by the way. So anyway, long, very long story short, <laughs> he finally comes to my, comes to visit me. And I am like, no holds barred. <laughs> Where I'm like, let's go. We've waited 15 years for this. It's happening. And we totally went for it and completely broke the bed. Like it broke and it fell yes. to the floor. <laughs> yes. It, it fell to the floor and it was hilarious. And I was like, whatever. I could care less. It was one of those moments, though, when you were like, did that literally just happen? And it wasn't like right away. It was sort of after <laughs> we go, yeah. after we kind of were already, you know, in the in the experience. But it was really funny when we just like flump thumped to the floor and like it completely broke. And it was the perfect punctuation to this like 15 year buildup of like tension and amazing energy and, and sex. And it was just like awesome. So that was that was the sex story that came to mind first for me <laughs> in terms of that, that no is, shit. There I was. <laughs> that is awesome. I, I had a friend tell me a similar story recently and I congratulated them on that. I'm like, that takes a lot of work. And it's, and it, it is that kind of like, it's the punctuation mark on the end of the sentence, right. That just tells the whole yes. story. <laughs> the bed collapses. I, I love that. That's awesome. It was the perfect punctuation. Cause it was really funny and it was like, you know, it's, a, it's such a fascinating experience that experience. And it doesn't always have to be sexual, but the, when there's energy in a connection, you know, you have energy in a connection, whether it is, however it might be, but the sexual energy is just really powerful and really notable mm -hmm. and really fun to play with, really amazing and enlivening to be in and to be with when it's mutual and it's it's on. So it's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening understands and maybe, maybe not, but it's, I would, I would hope. And, 
Yeah. So to then have a punctuation point of something like that, where it brings it back to rigorous humanity, where then we have to we go to Lowe's and get a like a freaking different piece of hardware to like rebuild the base of my bed. It was just hilarious. That's fantastic. (laughs) That wasn't going to be the story I was going to lead with, by the way. I brought it up because you went there first. (laughs) I I couldn't help myself. You know, it's the irony of I'm sure every single one of us and every listener out there can relate to some of these sex stories of the things. It's so awkward and there's so many weird things that happen and it's so awesome. (laughs) And it's this whole big jumble of everything. And, you know, there's just the the worst experiences and the best experiences and everything in between. And, and, uh, and overall it's pretty comical. I mean, the whole thing is just pretty pretty comical and gross, you know? (laughs) So it's pretty funny just to begin with. It's so funny. Oh, I'm crying. That's so hilarious. Tears of hilarity. Oh my God. But you know, immediately, of course, the obvious no shit there I was stories, I think come in, you know, the skydiving and the physical sport, the, oh, I'm in a dangerous, potentially dangerous situation, but I get out of it by the skin of my teeth or not. You know what I mean? Those stories, I think immediately come to mind. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. want to start with one of those. I can certainly share the one that I wrote down. Well, I'm happy to share, of course, I mean, having a career as a skydiver and a base jumper, especially somebody who's taken a lot of high risk endeavors in those areas. I've got a list of times where lost count of the total number of times that come down to the to the wire. But I can definitely think of a couple moments specifically. It's a it's a. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic because it goes into some deeper things. Uh, yeah. My friend Chris McDougall, Dugues, he coined a term a number of years ago for when you're flying a wingsuit and you're not getting the pilot shoot, and he called it a no-pull find. So you're like trying mm. to get the pilot shoot, trying to get the pilot shoot, trying to get the pilot shoot kind of thing and just not getting to it. And it the, the term was coined in relationship to the older wingsuits were actually much harder to get to the handles the rigs were shorter which meant your elbow had to be up higher and the and the suit was cut with the elbow down lower and the Mm -hmm. when you moved your arm back the wing folded over the handle so it like Mm, covered yeah when you move your hand back the, the wing covers the handle so it's really bad engineering. Like, and since then things have gotten much better. The suits are shaped differently and those rigs are cut differently and fit and we learn better techniques. But I can think of a few times like, so I've had these no pull finds three times where oh wow, I've gone to get the handle and I get a handful of wing instead of the pilot shoot handle. And I go, okay, take a second, regroup. Pull again, go back, get another handful of nylon instead of the pilot sheet handle. Okay, that was two times. And now these are not skydiving. These are base jumping. The first attempt to pull would have been in the neighborhood of 600 feet above the ground. The second would be around five or four. The third attempt, we're getting down to about 300 feet. And 
at that point in those older wingsuits, you're about one to two seconds away from impact. So yeah. specifically, I had done a jump into the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And I flew from a uh, aircraft and did proximity flying down the walls of the canyon. This was 15 years ago. And nobody's ever seen this video. It never got really published. So big, huge old camera on my belly, like big HD tape camera hanging off a huge belly mount, old school gear, flying proximity, flying down into the canyon. And I'd followed, I'd I'd done this thing I was super excited about because this is the kind of dumb stuff that excited me back then. The top of the canyon is super flat and the edge is super steep. So like going right past the edge really close and following the sheer walls down the canyon. And then all good. I'd flown the line that I imagined flying. But when I got to pull, I got nylon. I got nylon. And this is where it gets deep because I could see the spot where I was going to hit. You know, I can see the spot and and I know where it is. And I know I know this is the last chance, you know, like I that it it's time. So time is a relative thing, right? Like time is not a linear experience. We we perceive time so it's not something that it's just you can just track it It, it, it's going to be different for every single person who who tracks it in whatever way they're tracking and in that moment in that instance of time my perception slowed right down everything Mm. goes and suddenly it's like all distraction is gone nothing else exists there's only the spot that I can see that is where I'm going to hit the ground and my life is going to end. And my awareness of my present moment and a clear knowing that I have to execute the next movement with precision and authority and calmness and perfectly collected like no this can't i can't rush this there's no panic there's it just has to be done smoothly slowly and perfectly with intention mm-hmm. and i can remember this has said i can remember this more than one time i can remember having another friend looking at me mm. from the ground and me looking back at her and her eyes going fucking pull jay and me going i'm fucking trying hang on you know and taking that poise that pose internal presence and like exhale to like Mm -hmm. drop the nervous system stress even though it's like Mm -hmm. it's down to the very last second it's like yeah exhale and just slowly put the fingers on the pilot you handle toss it out there into the wind and have two seconds under parachute before touching down and just i can i can remember these times like there's been a few you know i can remember landing and 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 immediately crying like just feet touch the ground and just and then the wave of tears just pouring out terrified that happened to me on a yeah on a wingsuit on a wingsuit and I'm not a wingsuiter. I have 16 jumps to my name, but that's not a story I wrote down, but it's similar. I had a hard pull, not, I didn't, it, the fabric didn't cover it, but I had a hard pull and I couldn't get my main pilot shoot out. 
and I was also high. So it really wasn't one of those no shit where I was there. I was stories. I pulled my reserve, but I just landed and I cried. I was really scared, really scared. Yeah. 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 It can be pretty scary. Wow. It's, I think that's really, really interesting that place you can access in, in that time slowing down. If people listening, the book Blink is a really good book Mm. by Malcolm Gladwell that talks about in detail, this phenomenon of time slowing down and our unconscious and conscious sort of coming together to perform unbelievable things and or not performing in those moments and having unbelievable sort of perceptible failures. It's a very, very interesting book at that phenomenon. But yeah, wow. Powerful. Mm. Yeah, I've read that book a couple times. Actually, Mm -hmm. I I read I read the uh, paper copy and then I got it on Audible and I listened to it again on Audible. And it's it's received a lot of uh, acclaim for uh, some of the, the the work that it talks about, and uh, it's really true. You know, there's there's a powerful there's a really powerful experience. I guess it's experience in, in recognizing how the microcosms of of experience, how those little blinks of an eye can change everything and how important it is to, um, yeah, to pay, give them, give them the attention they're due, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Well, interestingly, my skydiving story, the one that I wrote first and selected, I think I've briefly shared on the podcast in the past, but I'll share it again because it's relevant to this topic. It is not that level of experience. It's when I was very inexperienced. So it was my fourth jump. And I basically didn't get out of the Cessna with any speed. And so I just was the spot was going and going. I was my like a mile away. There's a like there's no way I would have possibly made it back to the drop zone. I don't know why they let me out. That's a different conversation. <laughs> but um essentially I get out on a static line, my fourth jump, so I'm doing static line progression which means there's a line attached to the pair attached to the airplane and it deploys my parachute for me. So anyway, I'm under the parachute and I realize that I'm going to land off and I'm not going to land where I was supposed to. The drop zone's too far away. And I realize and I see this kind of postage stamp size backyard. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's where I'm going to go. It's forest. Like there's tons of high super tall forest in this area. So there really aren't that many outs in the, in this area where I was learning this, my dad's house. And so I go for this postage stamp backyard. I'm coming in. Where was this? Upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm coming in on what I think is my final approach. And as I'm coming in, I realize I am 100% going to hit power lines. I'm going to absolutely land in those power lines if I don't make a course correction. 
in skydiving, I'm just saying this for people who are not skydivers that are listening to this. If you, you, one of the ways people can get really hurt is when they turn their parachute too low to the ground without keeping it flat above their head. Uh, so there's this thing that happens to young people, young skydivers, they don't know any better and they'll turn the parachute aggressively toward the ground, trying to avoid an obstacle or something like that. And they will then fly themselves into the ground and hurt themselves or kill themselves. So I am this young jumper at jump four and I see these power lines. I'm certain I'm going to hit them and I do exactly the wrong thing. And I pull my left, I vividly remember it in my mind's eye right now. I can see it still now. I pull my left toggle all the way, like all the way down, really strong turn. And I, I don't know what to credit this to other than just my own spatial awareness and my own situational uh, physical awareness, because typically, and again, people would be like, oh, they would see the ground. So I'm, I do this hard turn and now I see I'm really close to the ground. Oh, oh, fuck. And instead of letting the toggle back up to do a two handed flare, I, for some reason had the athleticism or wherewithal or just, I don't know, divine intervention that I knew to just pull the other toggle down and flare, 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 flare. And that's what I did. And it, it quickly righted the parachute and pulled me underneath it just in time for me to PLF and tumble, tumble, tumble. And I was completely fine. But that, those are two big things that easily could have killed me, taken me out at a very, very young age. And only in my growth as a skydiver, as an athlete in that space, understanding the nuances, learning more, growing as a, as a person who does this thing with its vast nuances, did I understand what happened to me then? I didn't have any real idea what happened to me then. And my instructors really didn't know enough to coach me on it. I don't recall getting any coaching on it. And so I tell that story by design to help people because there's a lot of links in the chain there where I went wrong. I got out too, too long. I took too long getting out. I X, Y, Z, ABC, all the things that are in there. Yeah. And, you know, interesting, I heard you, as you were telling the story, I was listening. I'm like, I know what she, I knew what the end of the story is going to be because yeah. you're still here and you're okay. Right. And <laughs> right. because what you're, what you were just talking about was part of the curriculum that we teach and the different ways to do turn recoveries. So the, yep. the, the one of the things you just stated there was um, like a, the shortest turn recovery that you can do which is to bring the other toggle back down so yep. if you're a skydiver and out there and you want to learn how to do turn recoveries take a flight one course because it's in the 101 yes. and 102 yes? yes and you will learn how to save your own butt when you and screw it, up not if you screw up but when you screw up yes yes yeah. correct yeah for will. sure because we all do will. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I love that. But but yeah, so that just comes to mind as the super key, the main skydiving story to me where it feels like a no shit there I was scenario. I have hit power lines three times. You have? Three times. What? Yeah. Please tell us just even a little bit about that. I want to hear this. 
Um, the first time was landing off. Of course, all of these are landing off. Landing off. So I don't land off. That's one of the things yeah. that I, why I've learned to be good at spotting and to understand my wind cones and because landing yeah. off is dangerous. So yeah. landing off in Titusville, Florida with a 92 or 95 square foot Jedi landing in residential neighborhoods, just littered with wires, nowhere to land, no open spaces. Went through an intersection to try and land in the middle of the street because that was all I could see over a house under a wire, hit the wire with the canopy. It flipped me, laid me on my back, took all the skin off my butt and my hands and my elbows and everything. Oh the my next gosh. time was in Morris, Illinois, landing off. Going to land in the back of a farmyard and again a power line from a building to a barn didn't see it hit it with the canopy right at canopy height while wow, it was in level flight already and the last time was the most horrifying was an intentional high pull it was the world free fall convention with the pd factory team and we were flying katanas and we were doing a if you probably if you've been skydiving for 20 years you would have seen a bunch of katana ads a while back mm -hmm. uh, and they were shot during this jump where we were mm. flying uh, formations and goofing around with groups of a bunch of katanas together so a bunch of these old pictures that made it in the magazines as advertisements were shot on this jump and we Ended up off and we chose a schoolyard, big schoolyard, looked really obvious. You could see the power lines all the way around. So like, okay, really cool. There's all the power lines. So they are, they are yeah. good. Big open space in the middle. And again, every building typically has a power line that runs to it. And they're generally mm -hmm. not underground. And this was the same thing. The main building and the secondary building had a power line that was running between them. And I was cocky and arrogant and i thought mm. just because i'm landing in a small space doesn't mean i shouldn't do a big turn and oh. i did like a three 360s you know like a 1080 kind mm -hmm. of thing just revolution spinning my way down into this space attacking it from above and as i rolled out of the recovery arc and started to come towards level flight i still hadn't leveled off yet the power line was probably 15 or 20 feet up and i saw it and i realized that it was going to hit me about at my head. And oh. I'm going about 70, 60, 70 miles an hour. And I saw it and I thought, I don't know if I hit this, I'm probably going to die. So mm. I tried to go over it by pulling on mm. the rear risers and pulling my knees up. And I put my knees up in front of my chest as high as I could get them. Oh. And I hit the power line right across the front of my shins with both Ouch. shins. And I had my knees up into my chest and I tore right through it. I oh ripped it off gosh. the poles. Yeah. Um, so I had, you know, balled up into a little ball. It hit it really, really hard. And it ripped both ends of the power line off the buildings. Wow. And I flew through and landed like somehow I landed as if nothing happened. And again, the second I touched the ground, I was just a ball of tears and crying. Yeah. Yeah. And. Did your did you hurt your legs? Yeah, they were all bloody. Yeah. yeah. Skinned them. Yeah. Skinned, skinned the shins, you know. Yeah. I think the tears are recognition. It's like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's like real recognition of you almost this, that was legit. You almost are not here anymore in this life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, oh, we could tell a million of those stories. I kind of want to transition to another style of story if you're up for it. it, it yeah, I got so many. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I'm like, let's, we could do 18 episodes about this topic. Um, and maybe we can do a follow on for me interviewing you about your 8 million stories. Um, but yeah, the other, another thing that I wrote down is more personal. It's, it's cause it's no shit there. I was, I, I don't, I tried to open my awareness, not my awareness, but my concept of what that meant. And I thought more in the lane of, of moments in my life that I will not forget so that it's not just physical stories and, oh my God, I just died, but stories where I'm like, that's burned into my memory forever, you know? And, Mm -hmm. uh, so, and this isn't really that long of a story per se. It's, it's just a poignant, powerful, important one for me is, so my, dad owned a drop zone. And I don't know how many people know that part of my life, but like, uh, my parents were divorced and my dad was an aviator. We had the airport behind his house, the whole thing, but he had a drop zone and there was a drop zone skydiving, old school, OG blue skies, black death culture, party every weekend culture at my dad's house. And so when I went there, I was exposed to all of these, you know, really adult things and just like, you know, just like any drop zone kid. So that's not really the point of the story. That's just the stage setting for where and how this happened and what happened is I one day I'm at my dad's with my brother. I'm probably 16 years old. I think I was 16. I don't, I I really don't know. 14 to 16. I think I was 16. And my brother and I are visiting and my dad basically pulls us aside. And I, it's a vague collection of the whole memory, but he, he tells us that we have another brother he tells us that basically we have a half brother named John and really, yeah. And then basically then John came to the party that night and I got to meet him. And so I basically found out I have a brother, another brother that I didn't know existed. And then I meet him and we have this really great night, actually partying, having a good time. And again, partying, I put that in like air quotes, kind of really, you know, just like the excessive alcohol and nonsense and bonfires and that style of a party. And it was really fun. It was a really, really great time. But it was also one of those things where I was like, whoa, like, really? Like, uh, this is how I find out that I have another sibling and now he's just jettisoned into our existence. But the beauty of it is that I was really, really glad to know he existed, to know him. And it's been cool over the years. And we haven't necessarily 
seen each other, cultivated a, a, a largely connected relationship, but we've made sure to connect. You know, we've made sure to stay in touch. And what I love about him is that it's it's really kind of cool for me because he and I seem quite alike. Like we align on a lot of our worldviews and, you know, he shares podcasts with, with me and stuff. And I share, like when I was on Masters of Scale, I deliberately, I found that podcast because of John. I started listening to it, became a mega fan. And then I got the opportunity to be on the show. And I thought as a fun, like surprise for my brother that I would not tell him that I was go- that what I was going to be on the show and that he would just hear it and and be like, whoa. And that is exactly what happened. It was this really special moment. But it's one of those things where I want to and I'm going to make more of an effort to, you know, see if I can be in his life it, physically, literally. Um, I don't know what that will look like, but. I just love him, you know, even though it's a weird way to be connected in this in this particular life. And it was a weird moment and a weird way to find out to find that out. There's just I, I feel a lot of just so much love in my heart for him. And I feel very connected to him. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Family stories. I'm basically going to invite myself over to his house and be like, yo, (laughs) no, I'm really, I'm really not. What I'm going to do is be like, Hey, like, would you mind if I come over? It's okay. If not, you know, but if, if you're up for it, I'd love to just hang out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a half brother and a half sister, um, either side of my, uh, full sibling. Um, and so I, I can relate. There's some, it's interesting how you you learn about your family as you go through life. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the family theme, Do and it. I'm going to pivot towards an experience that is really one of the pivotal experiences in my life. It's it's um it's in my book, so when my book comes out, you'll be able to read about it. Can't wait! I cannot wait for your book. By the way. Thank you. You have to do an audible version. I'm just, I'm going to put, that has to happen because you're going to read it. It's going to be totally freaking amazing. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) So in 1999, I had kind of reached the bottom of the barrel in my life. I was, I, I was scratching for anything to hold on to. And I had moved into my van Oh shit, I live in my van right now. Wait a second. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any money and I was in the States and the team that I was working with had crumbled and I had taken up a job um, doing rigging at Vertigo Base Outfitter and was um, learning to base jump because I was kind of suicidal. Like I was really, yeah. I was like, fuck it, you know, not in a great place. Anyways. Mario, my mentor, who is a wonderful human, I am so blessed to have spent time with him and learned from him. He invited me to come to California with him to go uh, jump El Capitan. And I had never jumped a cliff, and this was going to be our first cliff jumps, which was super exciting because there's no cliffs on the, there's not, well, there's very, very few cliffs in the eastern half of the country. So flying to California to go jump this historical, epic, big cliff. 
We get out there, we get picked up at the airport by his friend Jeff, and Jeff starts driving us down the coast, and I'm riding the back of the truck. And I'm kind of just haphazardling through life at this point. I don't really have a plan. I have very little money. I literally sold my reserve out of my skydiving rig to get the money to go on this trip because I knew my reserve was worth about 700 bucks. So I'm like, I have two rigs. I really only need one to be able to jump. I'll sell the reserve out of this one (laughs) because it's not great. And I can go base jumping because when you're base jumping, you don't need a reserve. Yeah. (laughs) This was my mentality at the time. So we're rolling down U.S. Highway 1 and we're rolling along. And I saw a sign go by out the window and I recognized it. And this was my first trip to California. I'd never been there before. So why would I recognize the sign? The sign was Point Lobos State Reserve. And I like, I'm like, why do I know this? Like, I shouldn't, I've never been here. And I'm scratching my head. And within moments, we're pulling over. And we pull over and we're at a overlook next to a big bridge. And this is a bridge that Mario had planned to stop and jump with Jeff. And at the time, it was lower than anything else I'd ever jumped. And I wasn't planning mm-hmm. on jumping it. It's 260 feet. And <sighs> I had he, Mario had been mentoring me not to jump below 300 feet for free fall. And I wasn't really interested in doing anything lower than that. It was super, super duper scary. And yeah. then suddenly I put two and two together and I realized that Point Lobos was the location on my father's death certificate. Wow. And I'm going, Ooh, I get this like cold, creepy feeling like, how have I ended up here? Like, what? in the world has brought me across the country to some place I didn't plan on going to to go to the exact spot where my dad died. And mind you, I had never this, I had lived in Toronto in in Canada. And so when I was nine years old, when my father died and I got this notification about it, I was, it was such a like conceive, I couldn't even conceive of the place or is it real? Like it's like a story, right? It's not a real thing. And so to actually be at the place and now I'm like, oh, now I get to confront my father's death Mm. and what mindset am I in? I'm, I'm on this, on a base jumping trip. So I'm like, and what am I doing? And I immediately tell Mario, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to jump from this. I'm just, I'm definitely not jumping here. I'm going to hike down. I'll film you guys jumping. I'll hike back up or whatever. I'll support, but I'm not jumping. This is dumb. Like what kind of a dummy goes and jumps in the same place where his father died? Like that would be dumb. And I took my camera because I love filming and taking pictures. And I head down the cliff there and I long, like so close to falling. Oh my gosh. Like slipped a couple times on the way down. And I did not realize how slippery and how dangerous that particular terrain was. I wasn't familiar Mm -hmm. with that kind of earth and, and, Mm -hmm. and how different it was from where I grew up and what I was used to. And I had always had a blockage in my mind around the idea of what had happened to my father. Like, had he killed himself? Had he slipped and fallen? What was the scenario? Like, who knows what happened because he was alone and he fell down one of these ocean cliffs and was found in the ocean. Yeah. And so I'm going through this emotional experience and 
and then having this physical interaction of like slipping on the way down this thing and whew, got kind of nerved out. And I, I got to the bottom. I film Mario have to do this great jump. He's all ecstatic. He has this beautiful yeah. jump, beautiful landing. Oh He's all full him? of energy. Yeah. After. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I filmed him. I let him have his moment. And then on the way back up, we both took slides where we were like, whew, that was really sketchy. We're not going back up that way again. And so we went down the road, maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 miles somewhere nearby. There's some big redwood forest. And we found a lovely spot to go pack parachutes. And in the time we went down there, I was just milling about, like my head was just spinning. Like, I'm just such a tortured being at this point. Just like, what am I doing here? And what am I I doing with my life? And why am I jumping off of things? And why am I playing a stupid game, pushing my own finality of the, you know? Mm -hmm. And and then at the same time, part of me is like, fuck this. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to be afraid of dying. I'm not going to be afraid of death. Death is not a finality. And maybe we don't have this existence anymore, but I don't believe in the other side and in infinite blackness. So Mm -hmm. I very pointedly went and got my rig that I had built and got it out of the car and took it and repacked it so that it was packed appropriately for that jump and told Mario, I'm going to jump. I've made my decision and repacked my rig so it was set up correctly. And we had the beautiful circumstance. So the universe, thank you, universe, you're amazing. Driving back Mm -hmm. up that road, it was under construction at the time and they were only having one lane of traffic open going either direction Mm. across the bridge. So they have a pilot car and they had about a four or five Mm. mile stretch of road that was one lane, one direction, and the pilot car would lead. And we were in the line of traffic and we saw that we were the we were like oh maybe we're going to be the last ones in the line and they're going to close the gate behind us and the pilot car is going to be way ahead and we can just slow down and we can just stop in the middle of the bridge and so we anticipated it it's sunset on the pacific coast i don't know if you've ever been to the pacific coast highway at sunset it is glorious glorious and i i just took on this like manifesting moment and pulled my rig out in the car, like started gearing up in the car and got like fully geared up, getting ready to go so that we could literally just slow down and slow down and slow down and let the pilot car get further and further ahead. So we stopped Mm -hmm. in the middle of the, just right in the middle of the bridge, jumped out. And I remember how confidently there was, if there's a video, I have an old video of just, I actually leapt up onto the railing. Like yeah. just, uh, just like jumped up onto the railing because I was a young gymnast, you know, and yeah. athletic. I'm like, fuck fear. This mm-hmm. is this is not my life. And I leapt up onto the railing and Mario took my pilot shoot. It's a pilot shoot assist. And I remember just looking out at that sunset and the ocean and being in that infinite connectedness with all that is and getting back to that oneness of self and embracing fear, going straight, not only embracing it, but like running straight towards it with open arms yep. and being like, thank you. Yep. And, and stepping off and just accepting what was coming and parachute open perfectly. And I landed on this beautiful <sighs> beach with these giant breaking waves. And I remember oh my God. this feeling of freedom, right? Beautiful. It brings tears to my eyes. If I can go. Oh my God. This is, it's just like, 
how does this stuff happen, you know? Yeah. yeah. How does it happen? <sighs> wow. That is just beautiful, Jay. It's just beautiful. And, you know, a lot of, there's certainly balancing conversation to any kind of story that we tell that goes well. You know, you'd be like, oh, that could have been when Jay Maletsky went in. This podcast doesn't exist. And that's your life story. And that's very real, too. And I love mm -hmm. the lesson extracted of of running toward fear with open arms. But also now as a in this sort of is in your first story as a older, wiser, more experienced, more clear in your values type of person that it's not a reckless running toward fear with the arms wide open. It's both. It's both, you know, because I think that running toward it with arms wide open is so powerful and so necessary if we want full aliveness, if we want full connection with people, with pursuits, with life. And it is okay to bring our conscious awareness to that to that as well. So I love it. Oh, just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's um it's an interesting story to tell. Um sometimes it doesn't seem real and I do reflect on it quite regularly, mm -hmm. especially when I find myself at crossroads and I do that as you say like I'm not I, I was very reckless as a younger person. Very reckless. I've been reckless with people. I've been mm -hmm. reckless with myself. Um, yeah. Emotions, love, physical body, money, all yeah. that stuff. I've been just reckless yeah. with it. And I try not to be that way anymore and be more considerate. And I still remember this thing about fear. It's like, you know, if I let it own me, and it, let it take over and let it become the barrier to all the things that I want to be in my life and not actually able to live a life that I want to live because I'm afraid of living it, then I'm missing the whole point. Uh, and then being too reckless and being too loose, is, you know, has an inevitable outcome is that you, you're going to pay the price for it. So there's yeah. a balance to be struck in that for sure. One thing you mentioned earlier about not knowing your environment uh, made me think of the glacier. And I know I've told the story, so I don't need to tell it mm -hmm. in full again, but where I got my leg stuck in a soft part of a glacier in Iceland, and I really thought absolutely could have died for sure. And it was not necessarily being reckless because I am not the person who's reckless. I'm not the one who, I don't even base jump. I have no interest. I still have no interest. I am not even the person who goes past the freaking red rope to take a picture closer to the cliff. I, I don't do that because I am, I, I respect those spaces. Um, but that lack of preparedness, that lack of understanding of the environment is something that can go into exact like making these more quote negative no shit there I was experiences happen right so like that was a no shit there I was experience for me that really sucked and I wasn't prepared and then there's another thing I've had on my list that's a no shit there I was experience that theoretically I had nothing to do with where I was struck by the drunk driver you know 
I was driving, just driving along, you know? I had a drunk driving story on my list as well. Yeah. 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 And so it's interesting how these elicit. And then there's another story and I have a bunch of stories still, but like another story that I, I think is, I I kind of want to briefly share it because it points to the, a good moment too. I mean, obviously the sex story is a good moment too, (laughs) but, but like the moment, and this is, I, I literally have it. This is so funny. COVID happens and, and I happened to, I just happened to be wearing my highlight shirt today. We had already been preparing to do highlight and do all these demonstration jumps in 2020. And it was this amazing life altering career, professional opportunity and personal opportunity. I was just thrilled. Then COVID happens and nobody knows what's going to happen. My life coaching clients start to pull back because, you know, who knows how much money anyone's going to have. And this amazing funded project that is growing into what Highlight now is, I was like, is it going to, that is that too going to go away? So am I going to be destitute? Am I going to, you know, all those fears that happened during that time. But the no shit there I was moment was basically on a call with Amy and our lead sponsor. And not only did this person say, we're, we're doing this, we're going to figure it out. I believe in you. I, I believe in you to helm this even in these unprecedented times. Not only that, it was also one of those moments where we were valued even more than we, and I'm a person who advocates for my value financially. So like I was already going into this call feeling ecstatic about what we would be getting financially if the project were to move forward. And even then he gave us a raise. Basically, he said, we're going to do it at this, at this rate. And it was, it just blew my freaking head off. I was so grateful. I literally wrote down, I have it. It's a, it's a note stuck on my like big note of insights from all my ceremonies. As of today, I truly believe in angels. March 26, 2020. And it was this person. And I still feel that, feel that way about this person and the immense, immense good that they bring into the world and my life, certainly personally, but that was a really good no shit there I was moment when I think everything in my life is going to crumble and it totally doesn't and you're rewarded and not even rewarded by a yes, you're rewarded by a yes and this too. Interesting. I'm happy for you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, there's a million things I could share. I have the first time meeting ayahuasca, you know, when I'm vomiting every time I was silent. Like that was also very much a no shit moment. <laughs> I, um, any, any any other things that you really want to make sure are in this episode? Well, I, I had a, a list of other things, but you you just I just kind of got hit in the heart wasn't expecting it when you were talking there Mm. and um so i'm finding myself kind of internally reflecting um and i guess it's a pretty good uh polarization for this story that i previously told and 
it wasn't planning on telling it. So I will, because that's vulnerability. Yeah, please. Uh, so yeah, please. being with Jimmy when he went in and mm-hmm. being with this, you know, amazing individual and out in this incredibly beautiful place on this incredibly beautiful day and having such a fantastic time together and really connecting and really like anchoring values and really all the right things in place. And then the universe just like flipping a switch and then just going like just, and then there I am just standing on top of this mountain alone and knowing, and and I know I'm now I know I'm alone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a deep thought. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a big thought. It's a deep thought. I think it's one we all reckon with at some point in our existences through whatever version of pain we find it. And that is actually a pretty good segue to our intention is to talk about pain in the next episode that we record together. And so stay tuned for more because we could, of course, as always, continue to go on and on. It's very easy for us to to share. Thank you, Jay, for sharing everything that you shared. I yeah, believe same. I believe deeply in this space and its value. And everyone listening, thank you for showing up and being here with us and believing in us and supporting us and listening and spending your valuable, valuable time and energy with us. And we only hope that what we are sharing is in fact of value to you. And so, yeah, you don't, you don't need to do anything about that except accept and enjoy and in, and live the value that you get from this. If you want to share and do all the things that we say at the beginning, do it. That's great, but feel no pressure to do any of those things. Yeah. I want to send some gratitude out to all the people who have reached out to me in recent time uh, over the last yeah. few months. I've had a lot of uh, contact from people direct messaging me and just letting me know how they felt about the, some of the things that we've talked about or where they're at in their lives. And that communication has been really appreciated, valued, honored, accepted. Um, yeah, thank you. I haven't always been in the place to receive it as well and other times it's been really you know easy to to engage Uh, it's been really it's been great everything from really fun conversations to really deep conversations and I've got one coming up this afternoon I got a friend who reached out who said let's I need to talk let's talk so I'm I'm looking forward to more of those conscious connections yeah yeah I love it and more walking each other home family we say it all the time. We love you so much. Thank you. Jay and I are just, uh, I just feel like the show is in a new phase. I, I'm super thrilled for the next episodes of Walking Each Other Home, Conscious Connections. I'm thrilled to have Nicole Smith-Ludvik is our next guest on Conscious Connections. She's coming up very soon. Actually, I think she'll be published right before this. So I take it back. You've already heard her. <laughs> but either way, we're just grateful that everyone being here and Again, if you want to support on Patreon, it really does make a difference. Go to trustthejourney.today, click on the Patreon button, and again, a dollar a month, whatever, 
anything makes a difference and, and grows our impact and we'll get you into the family, the Trust the Journey family Facebook group and we welcome you there and we love you and keep sending the topic ideas. I feel like this was an amazing topic and I, lo- I loved this. So keep them coming, fam. Thank you, Eli. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Bye.